Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thank you for joining us for this special podcast series with The Navigators. The Navigators are a group of subject matter experts that represent various organizations within the healthcare systems whose goals are to increase immunization access and equity by strengthening the partnership between pharmacy and public health. Our members come from across the continuum of healthcare, including pharmacies, state immunization programs, national membership organizations, and much more. My name is Vicki Vasiliga, and in today's episode, We'll be chatting with Chelsea Sprouts, who works in the Office of Epidemiology for the Virginia Department of Health. We're going to be chatting about MPOX, formerly known as monkeypox, and the strategies they use to vaccinate Virginians and address health equity in their efforts. Thanks so much for joining us today. So Chelsea, can you tell me first tell me a little bit about yourself and your role within the Virginia Department of Health? Yeah, thank you so much for inviting me to speak on this important topic. So I initially was hired at the Virginia Department of Health to focus on equitable distribution of COVID-19 vaccines and to sort of act as a liaison between uh, Virginia pharmacies and VDH. Once the MPOX outbreak hit the United States last summer, it was all hands on deck. So I was pulled into the emergency response quickly to ensure that vaccine and treatment access for high-risk individuals was happening. I also serve as a clinical and outreach lead on the medical countermeasures unit. So with these positions, I oversee clinical guidance and coordination with external partners as it relates to equitable distribution of vaccines and therapeutics. Aside from the emergency response for COVID and MPOX, I'm also the adult vaccine coordinator in which I help with vaccine education and focus on increasing adult vaccine access and uptake. So can you tell me a little bit about what MPOXs look like in Virginia? And because you said you also worked with COVID-19, you obviously had probably similarities between the two. What have been the lessons learned from the COVID-19 vaccination efforts that you've applied to vaccinations against MPOX? Yeah, so just to give a little bit of background of what MPOX has looked like in Virginia, the first case of MPOX was reported in the United States on May 18th of last year, so 2022, And the first case was reported in Virginia on May 26, 2022. As of June 8th of this year, there have been a total of 572 cases of MPOX reported in Virginia. Cases peaked in early to mid-August of 2022 and have been declining since. There's also been 31 hospitalizations and two deaths. This is compared to the national totals, which are over 30,000 MPOX cases and over 40 deaths as of May 10th, 2023. So far this year in Virginia, there has been a total of six MPOX cases reported compared to the second week of August of last year, 2022, for example, when there were 60 cases reported in just one week. Despite the overall decline in cases, the CDC has been continuing to receive daily reports of MPOX cases across the U.S. that reflect ongoing transmission of the monkeypox virus. As far as what we've learned from COVID, we learned that being proactive is essential for prevention. For example, leading up to the winter months, VDH and CDC put out a lot of messaging about importance of vaccination and other prevention measures and preparation for winter surges of COVID cases. So the same is being done for MPOX. The CDC warns that there's a potential risk of an MPOX resurgence this summer as people are attending large gatherings and increasing travel, for example. 
Additionally, pride season is here now, and data shows that MPOX has disproportionately affected gay, bisexual, and other men who have sex with men. Thus, using that targeted messaging towards high-risk populations is crucial. VDH began running a campaign on June the 1st of this year, focusing on MPOX testing and vaccination and other prevention measures. And that campaign will run through December of this year, 2023. Priority groups to target specifically include men who have sex with men, transgender, gay, bisexual, and other people with interests and activities that are high risk for MPOX. There's also a large focus on the Black and Latinx communities within these audiences for reasons that I will discuss later on in this podcast. In response to the COVID-19 pandemic, CDC launched a national wastewater surveillance system in September of 2020. Wastewater surveillance is an important public health tool to track the spread of diseases in communities and is relatively new for tracking the spread of the monkeypox virus. So there have been consistent wastewater detections of the virus in the central region of Virginia. VDH suspects that these detections could be due to numerous things such as ongoing or unresolved infection, but also we can't rule out the possibility of other reasons for those wastewater detections such as unreported cases in people who either aren't being tested or have not been diagnosed with MPOX. VDH is working with the CDC to learn exactly how to interpret and act on this surveillance data. Ideally, this data, together with hospitalization data and case data, would give a good sense of whether impacts activity is going up, down, or staying the same. So as a result, this could help determine where and when to offer impacts testing and vaccinations for people who have that higher risk of contact with the monkeypox virus. Another lesson learned from COVID-19 pandemic is that pharmacies play a tremendous role in providing vaccines and have given more COVID vaccines than any other healthcare setting. When COVID vaccines first became available in the U.S., there was a focus on getting those vaccines to people who were at the highest risk. So Virginia followed CDC guidance by focusing on these vaccine priority groups. This worked in public health's favor as we tried to avoid deaths, in the most vulnerable and at-risk populations. All in all, it's really hard to compare COVID to MPOX because while almost everyone is eligible for the COVID vaccine, that's not at all true for MPOX. There are very specific groups of high-risk people who are recommended to receive the MPOX vaccine. This was hard to portray or explain to the public because many people in the community thought that they needed the MPOX virus because there was an outbreak even though they were not considered to be at greater risk of exposure. We also learned from the COVID pandemic that clear and transparent communication and education from the government, whether that's federal, state, or local, is crucial in emergency responses. Many people fear change and are wary about anything new. For example, in the beginning of the COVID response, there was a lot of efforts in place to ensure that people were knowledgeable about the COVID vaccines. We applied this when the MPOX vaccine Geneos became available for the MPOX response. The Geneos vaccine is not a new vaccine. It was actually FDA approved back in 2019 for the prevention of MPOX and smallpox. However, it had not been commonly used by the public prior to 2022 during this MPOX outbreak. Thus, the majority of the public had not even heard of this vaccine, so we had to put out a lot of education about the vaccine and the virus in general. So you kind of touched on this a little bit, talking about high-risk groups. 
What were the health equity concerns and the barriers that BDH considered when planning vaccination efforts? And how did you address these? Yeah, so health equity continues to be a priority in Virginia and across the U.S. for that matter. Currently, data suggests that gay, bisexual, and other men who have sex with men make up the majority of cases in the current impacts outbreak. Stigmatism against these individuals was and still is a huge barrier to the impox response. It's important for people to know that anyone, regardless of sexual orientation or gender identity, who have been in close personal contact with someone who has impox is at risk. So to combat this barrier, the goal is to always use non-stigmatizing language and to present only the facts to the public. Impox has affected many racial and ethnic groups. Specifically, Black Virginians make up 44% of reported impox cases, though only 20% of the total Virginia population is Black. Similarly, 18% of impox cases are reported in Hispanic people, though only 10% of the Virginia population is Hispanic. The CDC published data that showed Black and Hispanic men are disproportionately affected by impox in virtually all states. The exact reasons for these trends are not completely understood, but it's likely multifactorial, including but not limited to structural barriers, issues related to access to information, access to healthcare in general, and or stigmatism associated with seeking care for this type of condition. For example, through community listening sessions, we heard concerns from people that they were worried about being judged or perceived as promiscuous if they were going out to seek the impox vaccine. There's also been a lot of misinformation regarding impox infection, transmission, vaccines, and treatment. So to address this misinformation, BDH provided and will continue to provide webinars and other educational materials about impox, health equity and stigmatism to healthcare providers, community health workers, and other members of the public. BDH hosted regional listening sessions to hear from the public any questions, comments, concerns that they had regarding impox. The feedback from the community really helped us realize that we needed to do a better job at emphasizing that anyone, regardless of sexual orientation or gender identity, who again has been in close personal contact with impox is at risk. This messaging really helps to reduce the stigma by putting less of a focus on the type of activity that might heighten risk and puts a more emphasis on potential close contact with an exposure, including contact with contaminated items. So in the beginning, there was quite a large demand for the impox vaccine, and the government was worried that supply would not meet the demand. So to address this, the CDC recommended an alternate vaccine administration site, which used less volume of vaccine and allowed for five times the number of vaccinations. With this new recommendation, the alternate regimen, which is administered intradermally, was preferred over the standard regimen, which is administered subcutaneously. People were noticing a lot more local reactions when the vaccine was administered intradermally and the concern of stigmatism was brought up again. So to address this, VDH relaxed our guidance on the route of administration to allow individuals with concerns about stigma and other personal reasons to receive the vaccine subcutaneously if they want, thus to avoid any noticeable local reactions on the skin. So we've talked a little bit about stigma and how VDH use things like listening sessions and outreaches and webinars to 
dispel some of those myths and mysteries. I'm curious to know what other barriers did you encounter when rolling out vaccination efforts? And then specifically because we're a pharmacy organization, how do you see the pharmacy workforce helping address the barriers? As far as vaccine availability and access in the beginning, BDH decided to place Impox vaccines in health departments where we were seeing majority of cases. We also utilize sexual health and HIV STI clinics to reach high-risk individuals. Once Virginia acquired sufficient vaccine, we then expanded to allow vaccine access to all health departments in Virginia. We began thinking of other avenues to increase access to the Impox vaccine, and of course, pharmacies came to mind. As demand for the vaccine decreased dramatically and access didn't seem to be an issue later on in the response, it was ultimately decided that there was not a need to expand to pharmacies. However, there were a few pharmacies that the local health departments identified as good partners to vaccinate. One of the exclusions to receiving an Impox vaccine is that the individual must not have a current Impox illness. A lot of providers wanted to test individuals prior to giving the vaccine, and this posed an issue because testing was not always easily accessible. Early in the response, testing supplies were limited, and the capacity to perform those tests was also limited. Testing became more widely available as state public health and commercial laboratories expanded testing capacity. So those were some additional barriers that we experienced during this response. So again, no disease is the same. And, and I think you guys had some great best practices that you applied to MPOX. But I'm curious to know, what were the lessons you learned along the way when developing you know, vaccination efforts versus from what you learned in COVID-19 versus MPOX? And then what was easy to apply? What was the hardest? And actually, what surprised you the most? Yeah, so there were quite a few lessons learned, but I'll kind of try to hit the highlighted ones here today for you all. So the COVID-19 pandemic demonstrated the value of applying a health equity lens to engage at-risk communities, communicate with them effectively, share data, and partner with them for program implementation, dissemination, and evaluation. We learned from COVID-19 that for a sustained change to happen, public health organizations and its partners must work collectively to prevent disease and promote health, especially within our most vulnerable communities. Data collection was and still is crucial for the COVID response. Gathering, sharing, and interpreting data with effective communities, working with community members and leaders allowed us to know what communities need assistance the most. We learned that public health workers and others working within the community needed to be trained in health equity to address concerns coming from the public, as well as to ensure that there's not one specific group or community that is disproportionately affected by illness. The quick spread of COVID-19 infection shed light on just how important personal protective equipment is for healthcare workers and the community. People became used to wearing masks in public, and even as cases declined, people are still wearing masks as an optional way to protect themselves and others. One of the easiest parts, in my opinion, was the fact that BDH already had a plan for responding to emergencies. In response to the COVID pandemic, BDH created what's called an incident command structure. It includes response channels such as planning, epidemiology, medical countermeasures, 
logistics, and finance. So there's a dedicated group and leader assigned within each channel. And this was super helpful because VDH was able to utilize the same channels and the same people involved in the structure so that Virginia could respond quickly and efficiently to the MPOX outbreak. For me, the hardest part was ensuring that everyone had equal access to MPOX vaccines and that VDH was vaccinating the highest risk individuals. This was very difficult in the beginning when supply was not meeting demand. People were getting very frustrated that they couldn't find the vaccine, which is definitely understandable. We had to plan accordingly and with limited vaccines that we had available. Thus, we planned vaccines in areas where there were higher case counts and an estimated large percentage of high-risk individuals. Once we received more vaccines from the federal government, VDH was able to disperse vaccines to other parts of the state who needed it as well. What surprised me the most is how many people are not returning to complete their MPOX vaccine series. Dineos, the MPOX vaccine, provides the best protection after completing a two-dose series. The VDH Medical Countermeasures Unit has been monitoring the completion of second-dose Geneos vaccine series in the Commonwealth. Throughout the month of December 2022, the team worked with two health districts who were identified as having a large sample size of incomplete vaccination series so that we could best understand why patients were not completing that vaccine series. Between the two health districts, there were about 1,180 people who showed an incomplete series based off of data from our Virginia Immunization Information System, or VIS. Of those people that were called, we were able to get in touch with 577 of those and have a conversation with them. So of those 577 people, 280 of them provided reasons for incomplete series, and as a result of the outreach, BDH was able to schedule second-dose appointments for 154 people. Some of the reasons for not returning for a second dose were unawareness of a second dose, reactions to a first dose, or inability to schedule a second dose appointment online. Our team thought this activity was very successful and had positive outcomes, so it was expanded to the remaining 33 health districts in the Commonwealth. For all of these reasons and more, We'll help Virginia focus on where additional education is needed and how we can improve systems and processes to ensure timely scheduling of second doses for this vaccine. Oh, so that's great. So kind of going back to about access and equity, how did you apply lessons learned around access and equity with your work in the Virginia Department of Health? Yes, that is a, a great question. The CDC is providing additional funding to all states for the MPOX response. So even though the MPOX public health emergency ended, there still are areas for improvement and thinking outside of the box will be crucial. We learned through the COVID and MPOX responses that community partnerships are crucial and they're critical elements of public health and can be built through intentional engagement with marginalized communities and wider partners. Throughout the MPOX response, VDH connected with existing partners, and I think broadening our partner relationships will improve case and vaccination rates, as well as help battle health inequities. VDH central office relies on the health districts for engaging with the public because they know their communities the best and they have the boots on the ground. Utilizing these health districts more and working with them one-on-one -on -one with individuals or groups who have these boots on the ground, such as community health workers, will help strengthen our community relationships and improve trust amongst the public. 
We learned that having impacts vaccines available at events focusing on the general LGBTQ plus population, such as pride festivals, was successful. Moving forward, we hope to be able to work with community partners to have more events like that. Overall, VDH plans to improve MPOX initiatives that had previously been done, as well as create new ideas and activities. I like that intentional engagement. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have today. I want to thank Chelsea for joining us, discuss the Navigator's efforts, and to provide the most up-to-date lessons learned from resources in their efforts to improve public health. Be sure to subscribe as we'll be hearing more from this series from the Navigators from ASHP Official. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.